Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the China Shop. Get your asses inside. We've got a great show for you today. I'm Shopkeeper Dan. With me, as always, back in action, Kyle, creator of FinancialNeptitude.com. Kyle, how amazingly wonderful, fantastic are you feeling today? Uh, much better. <laughs> had, a, had a bit of a rough week. Seemed like everything that could go wrong was trying to. When it rains, it pours. See, you've just been having it too good for too long, and life had to remind you that problems <laughs> exist. I was telling you <laughs> off air, but my cat got got like escaped the house somehow on uh, some day friday and man that was you want to talk about panic <laughs> worse than having uh 10 contracts on on the es ah uh, yeah uh, yeah i think that would have literally broke me if we didn't find a we didn't find it right right, <laughs> right. 10 contracts uh, that's just money you lose a family member mm. yeah i you've had that cat in your life for ever i mean 10 years now at this point right 10 10 years yeah yeah, that cat is something else too. I mean, you saw it. that was the one that escaped the uh, the cat carrier when we were driving mm-hmm. cross country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that cat can handle her drugs. That's for sure. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> she can hang. <laughs> oh, come on in the shop with us today, folks. Sit back, relax, hedge against the rage machine. We'd like to welcome any new listeners just joining us. We're here smashing our way through a complete set of fine china, sharing those ever-growing strategies for maximizing gains and cutting losses. If you are new to the shop and stock trading in general, you can always check out our knowledge and resource centers on FinancialNeptitude.com, or you can give one of our many beginning trading episodes a listen. We'll have all those links in the episode description. But the best place to be is come over onto our free discord server we're on there just about every day all the time with a with a bunch of really amazing awesome people it's just a great place to be totally free no paid tiers or special access areas because fuck that shite and kyle is there any other added incentive to joining the discord other than getting to hang out there's free stuff too free stuff you say not quite not not quite a free hat but uh but free stickers wristbands shot glasses your, your choice Yep. Join, we can give you stuff. Dealer's choice. It's like the opposite of a paid Discord. Yes, yes. Join that Discord, <laughs> slide into Kyle's DMs, give him a mailing address, and we'll send you some smash it yourself swag straight from the shop. Oh, sorry, Kyle, Kyle doesn't like that term. It just encourages the wrong behavior. Gently tiptoe into Kyle's DMs. Don't wake him up. And, uh, you know, give him, give him a surprise. Take me out to dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> red lobster at least yes oh we're just so glad everybody's here we're glad you made it today we have a lot of fun it's always better with friends and kyle you know what me talking about how things are better with friends what that means that means it's time for some show news show news what we got going on all right uh let's see we just finished recording uh last week with watach squatch on twitter that episode should be coming out on wednesday uh that that's up- good 
Upcoming guests, we've got James Andrew, the creator of Global Liquidity and an early pioneer of high-frequency algorithmic trading. Ooh. Uh, the week after that, we've got Dan Springer, who's uh, someone we went to high school with, I think. I don't, I don't think we went to high school. I think you're thinking of a different Springer. Am I? Okay, but he's somebody that you know. Yes. Um, just got just got funded. Uh, he's a prop trader who just completed his eval period. So I'll be talking to him about what that experience was like. And then we should have Dr. Hans, the investing tutor, back the week after that. Oh, that's fan favorite. Lock up your lock up your women. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody wants to submit any questions for these upcoming guests, or if anybody wants to be a guest, uh, just give us a message in the dis- in the Discord, or you can shoot us an email at two bowls at financialineptitude.com. Yeah, and then also. Be sure to check out our shop. Help support the show. Buy some swag. Tell your friends. Buy some swag. Yes, we have lots of great swag. It's probably the most even traded way to to support the show. Mm, right. I guess we could start selling shares in the show. Common stock. Huh. wonder how that would work. Just keep issuing new shares and selling them to people. <laughs> <laughs> we would be a penny stock, but you know. Right. We, we, could, we could probably get listed on the OTC. Right. <laughs> I don't buy penny stocks, but you should buy mine. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to the moon. Where's to the moon. George? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, folks, we have got a discreet, disarming, discourteous show for you today. Lots of market moving news, plenty of stocks on the radar, and more options than territory recovered by Ukrainian troops. Ah, oh, they've been kicking ass this week, haven't they? Oh, they really have. It's kind of like the Russian army is a paper tiger, and the Ukrainian army is a tiger made of steel and laser beams. Right. This is uh, not making Russia look like much of a superpower. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reach out to us, folks. We love your messages and comments on Twitter, Facebook, or Discord. I uh, have the link to that in the episode description. If you're old school, you can send us an email to the number two bulls at financialneptitude.com. That's the number two bull. That's the number two, then bulls. Uh, or give us a phone call, 725-22-BULLS. That's 725-222-8557. You can also send us a text message if you prefer. Maybe you got a hot stock tip. Maybe you want to tell us about a great trade you made, or maybe you were just visiting your aunt and uncle, you get caught up in a storm, and next thing you know, you've been accused of cold-blooded murder by a bunch of little people. It doesn't matter. We just love it when you reach out. Um, that sounds like Wizard of Oz, but... Boom! Wow! Okay. <laughs> I did not think you were going to get that. <laughs> That was pretty good. That made me think for a minute. I was, I was, I was trying to make it sound like some weird horror movie, but uh, right. <laughs> it was the storm that threw me off. I was, I was imagining like a lizard, and I was thinking like Fargo. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> There's no little people in Fargo. They're just weird. I love how they both accuse her of murder and lift, exonerate her as a hero for doing so. You killed our oh, tyrant. Right. Great job. Thank you. <laughs> You're the best. Yeah. So very often that homicide turns into song and dance. (laughs) 
We are the Lollipopkins. The Lollipopkins. Anyway, I think it's time to talk about the bad results. All right. Well, we had an okay week, I think. Uh, started looking a little hairy there on Tuesday, but BMI, our, our pick, we shorted it. Uh, opened the week at 71.36 and closed at 69.70. Looked like it was pretty close to hitting our take profit, but I don't think it ever quite got there. Yeah, it uh, bottomed out at 69.25-ish, somewhere around there. I suppose if I would have listened to you and had a little bit tighter one, we might have uh, we might have cashed out a little bit more. But our total is at five hundred and eleven dollars and sixty three cents. All right, positive to start the week. That is good. Uh, Random, on the other hand, not so well. Uh, NVRO opened at forty seven forty seven, and that strength on Tuesday in the health sector is actually what saved it from too big of a loss, because it peaked at fifty fifty four. Uh, and then that brought the 15% trailing stop to 4296, which it tagged on Friday. Uh, that gave random, uh, 452.50, but it would have actually done the full 15% had it not gone up at all. Oh, wow. Yeah. So close. NVRO, I think it closed the week somewhere around $38 a share. <laughs> not, not random's best, uh, not random's best work to say the least. Let's hope we can keep that money train going and beat random two months in a row. Should I give the, the team random quote of the week? Yeah, what's the team random quote of the week? This one comes from David. Team random took a hell of a kick to the nuts yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, maybe we finally demoralized random. I've noticed nobody uh, willing to step up to, to take random's consequences for last month. Okay, well, does that does that mean that we, we have to, one of us has to randomly be chosen to take the consequences that doesn't seem very fair (laughs) (laughs) well we did well there used to be three competitors and now there's only two so i mean well maybe we should have a random wheel of good okay all right things that we can do to treat ourselves all right yeah Yeah, something to think about if you got any ideas send us a message send us your ideas for what goes on the random wheel of good uh it's time to talk about some news get this show moving Kyle, let's uh, let's talk about some news. Let's dive in. Dow drops deep on moving inflation, COVID frustration, war damnation. We're just bringing you the fucking news. You gotta recognize the game if you don't want to lose. We're just trading Rioters raiding, insider trading, taxes are raising, bills on the hill. We got a crypto mill, no, they ain't growing weed. When the Fed speaks today, it's some shit we don't need. Sing it, man. Two bulls trading information. What? Two bulls trading information. I'm inclined to agree. Two bulls trading Uh, I think the big one we want to start with is probably the jobs report from Friday. Oh, yeah. Because that, that uh, kind of led to the, the, the drop from the, the balance zone that we've been kind of bouncing around in since uh, the beginning of the week on Friday. Uh, so I got this story here talking about what it means for the Fed. And uh, the, the top thing on here, the first thing it starts off with is how the jobs figure is highlighting how little progress they've made in their fight against inflation. Yeah. So the results of this, I mean, they believe that this is uh, showing that the market can take more interest rate rates, uh, rate hikes. Uh, they're saying that the strength in the the jobs number indicates that, yeah, they should be able to support higher 
higher interest rate hike. So they're looking for another fourth consecutive three-quarter hike at their meeting in November. Ow. Uh, and that's been in line with what everyone was saying the whole week. So I'm not sure why everyone was expecting a pivot earlier when every Fed speaker came on saying that they seemed to be pretty much in unison in the agreement that we need another 125 bips before the end of the year. Yeah, there have been no no Fed speakers dissenting. Like it's mm-hmm. it's been very consistent. We're we're raising rates. We're raising rates. We're raising rates. Yeah, and we've been uh, trying to figure out why the the labor pool, like why unemployment, is like the thing that they're keyed in on. And uh, this one kind of tries to explain like what their thinking is, or at least the line of it. So it's basically saying that uh, um, the lower unemployment rate not helping because the dimish pool of people seeking jobs is keeping pressure on employers to offer higher pay to attract and keep employers. And they're saying that that higher pay is what's causing inflation because they're passing on those increases, increased costs to consumers. Wow. That's funny because I read a, a article that quoted the uh, CEO of Iron Mountain Incorporated, uh, a tech company mm-hmm. that he, he literally uh, what was, it was at a, a an investor event and he, he claimed he was doing his inflation dance, praying for, for inflation. That's a quote. Uh, uh, so he could in, uh, increase their margins, their profit margins, u- use, <laughs> u- using inflation as a cover. Using inflation as, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, weren't we seeing, like, record earnings, like, through this yes. whole thing? Like, yes. <laughs> no, there's no extra cost to do, unless we're just expecting that those records are the norm now. Well, it's, it's that the, the Fed focuses on what the Fed's traditionally focused on. I don't think they've got a metric for profit margins right like they're not they're not measuring corporate profit margins along with inflation and being like wait a minute i think it's just that uh, everyone understands that corporations are greedy (laughs) right and anything that shows up as a cost is going to be excuse to raise prices which like you said it's just an excuse it's just it's just an excuse um but why why does what jobs get get that focus like i understand the reasoning like oh shit they're they're still hiring people and it's still competitive job industry. Wages are going up. Well, we can't get inflation under control if wages are going up. Yeah, and uh, this article actually finally touches on something that we've been saying for a while. Then that's the the catch up hiring with all the people that have been dropping out. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. Like it, as far as the Fed is thinking, because they're thinking that it, the low the lower the number of people searching for jobs or competing for more means that. It all has to do with the, the cost of hiring new people. They're trying mm-hmm. to get that reduced somehow. Uh, but there's a, let's see, the, the Jess Pettit, uh, he's an executive at the Hilton Hotel chain. He told Fed officials at a roundtable discussion that consumer demand isn't the main driver of his company's hiring. Instead, he's mainly trying to maintain a basic minimum of staff amid, amid fierce competition from other hotels for a smaller pool of workers. So Waller asked him, regardless of what we do for demand, you're still going to have a demand for labor. And he basically said, yes, that's the case. I know before I, before I left the hotel industry, there was a terribly low supply of, of labor, not even quality, uh-huh. like forget quality. Like just, I'm just talking geez. like bodies to fill seats. Yeah. It was hard to get. And that's been the case in the manufacturing industries that I've worked in for the past 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a couple of times you saying like, take this basic electrical courses and I can get you a job tomorrow. Yeah. Making like 80 K. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, it just seems like the Fed's focused on something because they want to be focused. Like, it's the only thing they know they can do. 
Like there's nothing else that really, yeah. Yeah. There's no, everything changes. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, things have been changing pretty rapidly in the last 20 years in terms of the commerce. Like we're dealing with cryptocurrencies and shit that they're still struggling to define. Like Mm -hmm. anytime you've got a regulating agency, it's really hard for it. uh, and, And then basically that's what the fed is. It's the banking regulations. The, the, mm-hmm. the people running the the, the banking side of, of the economy, they're always going to be playing catch up. And if things change too quickly, uh, you know, I feel like they're fighting 2022 problems with 1980 tools. And that actually kind of leads nicely to my next story, but I don't want to take, no, take the spotlight from you. Um, <laughs> this is from Michael Brush, I think. Uh, who posted an article talking about when central banks, most notably the Federal Reserve, move too aggressively on interest rate increases that tends to break things. But he is making the case that this is bullish in the twisted thinking of Wall Street, <laughs> which is why he thought stocks were rallying earlier in the week. But let's see. Let's take a look at his logic here. Faced with the financial crisis that threatens systemic risk because of a bank or investment firm breaks, the Fed might well abandon the policy tightening plan it has mapped out, remove the heightened risk of recession. That'd be good for stocks. Uh, Michael Harnett, B of A's chief investment strategist, said markets stop panicking when central banks start panicking. Let's see. The uh, I think the Fed may not actually have the liberty to back off. That's the only thing that it uh, kind of throws cold water on that theory. Uh, but it's the U.S. and Euro area inflation data do not allow for dovish central bank responses. That's Barclays. Uh, they can tell that this bleak view is consensus because the sentiment is so dark. However, this may still be wrong, which would mean that you will make money if you buy stocks now. So his thinking is that behind the scenes are what he calls upstream inflation numbers. There's a lot of evidence of prices that are falling hard and fast. And as that bleeds through the CPI and PCE, the consumer price index and personal consumption expenditures, uh, the investors will ease up on Fed-induced recession fears and stocks will start to rally. And then there is more in here talking about the sharp inflation spikes being excellent buy signals. And six of the seven biggest inflation spikes since the 1940s, once CPI peaked, the low was in for the stock market. If you bought from the peak, you'd do well over the next 12 months. Uh, Then there's seven major trends that he listed out, one of them being energy prices declining, commodity prices falling fast, uh, rents dropping, retailers slashing prices, clear excess inventory, supply chains improving, businesses falling to raise prices, labor demand labor market dynamics are improving. So the thought here is that once inflation does peak, everything that the Fed has done is going to cause inflation to kind of decline just as quickly as it was going up. People like Kathy Wood saying that we're going to see surprise deflation. This guy is kind of in line with that. I don't know if he's necessarily saying deflation. He's more saying that, um, like, eh, ah, like, I don't know how to explain this here. Um, it's almost like he's looking at a contrarian play, if that makes sense. Like everybody is now bearish, whereas remember when everyone was bullish and the market started dropping? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, he's using inflation as like when the inflation peak comes in, he's saying that's that's the that's the buy signal. The, that's the marker that the lows the lows should be put in. Like we should st- we should have nowhere to go but up from that point. Okay. Okay. And he had some good statistics to back that up. I think the average was if you bought peak. The peak inflation point, like your average return over the next 12 months was about 13%. Okay. But I hate to be, uh, you know, a stick in the mud, but mm-hmm. 
with this quantitative tightening, it's new. It's new. It's a new variable in the mix, and it's hard to hard to gauge what's going to happen because it's a pretty big, big thing that's new. Well, I think one thing that we've been learning as we've been doing this is that uh, the consensus doesn't necessarily mean the right decision. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> right <laughs> right right so if everybody fair enough, fair is enough. afraid and fearful and pulling out like that is the time when the early innovators and the first adopters make the biggest returns it's definitely when buffett always says to buy right right be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy well i don't have any stories about fear or greed no but i do have a nice story about the u.s uh trying to hobble china's semiconductor chip industry with some new export rules oh they've been they've been making a lot of these like that's uh, this has been going on for the last like month hasn't it yeah uh and i don't know why like this isn't like part of the political messaging but the biden administration has been really trying to kneecap china pretty hard with mm -hmm. uh with export controls <laughs> and you would think that that would be like a popular thing right now like hey we're standing up to china but right i don't know i'm not in charge of messaging where would I want to be? That's an awful job. Yeah, uh, no anyway, um, they they published a, the, the new set of controls trying to cut Ch China off from certain semiconductor chips made anywhere in the world with U.S. equipment. Mm -hmm. So they're 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 saying any any equipment, any companies that have American equipment, no matter where they're based, to be it in India or Taiwan, if they're using American equipment to build those chips, that we don't want those chips being touched by china is that just to protect our technology or is that because we're trying to keep china from uh advancing something in particular it's yeah it's, it's trying to set china back it wants it wants china it, it would, means china's been using our tech to to mm -hmm. get where they're going so fast but if they lose if they lose access chips to that. that are made on our machines access yeah it sets them back years, according to Jim Lewis, a technology cybersecurity expert at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Um, this is this is the uh, biggest policy shift, uh, according to, to Reuters, uh, biggest policy shift in U.S. towards China since Reuters? the 90s. Routers. I'm just kidding. Reuters. Re <laughs> Sorry. Reuters. 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 Re yes. Yeah. According to Reuters. Yeah. So, so they're not going to, you know, China's not going to give it up, but this could really slow them down. Mm -hmm. It seems like a bigger deal. Like, that's, I don't want to say like, uh, um, it seems really aggressive, I guess, is the term I'm looking for. Yes. On our part. I agree. I agree. That's why I'm like, like we're being aggressive towards China and it's not being, I mean, I guess it's on the Reuters thing, but I haven't, it's normally, you know, especially a month up to voting time, mm -hmm. like these stories, they're, they're plastered everywhere. And this was like, I was, I was digging through business news for the, the episode and I was like, right. oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> found this pretty low in the list google what are you doing uh, it's probably not great for uh semiconductor stocks but we can touch on that when we get to the stock news because i think we got some stories based on that yep the rules published on friday uh will also block shipments of a broad array of chips for use in chinese supercomputing systems the rules define a supercomputer as any system with more than 100 petaflops of computing power or within a floor space of 6,400 square feet, uh, a definition that two industry sources said could also hit some commercial data centers oh. in uh, Chinese tech giants. That could be very impactful if data centers are hit. They don't want the cloud in China either. Huh. Right? And that's just, to me, that's just cybersecurity 101. Like, 
Within a four, yeah, that would. <laughs> hmm. We're putting our data in Chinese service data centers. What? <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why. That's why it's it, occasionally people go remind uh, everybody like, oh yeah, TikTok. That's a Chinese company data mining all the American phones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly where my head went. Hey guys, you know how TikTok's like the worst data mining <laughs> product out there, right? Remember that? <laughs> it all goes to China. <laughs> anyway, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I hope. I hope it's good for U.S. industry. You know, we got that good new new chip company, uh, new chip manufacturing factories being built in Idaho, and I think there was another one in upstate New York. Was it? Uh, I don't remember where it was, but I think it was like Micron and uh, Intel have been opening them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Micron just announced theirs. Yeah, so we got two big ones. That was in Ohio, I think. Ohio. Okay. But yeah, no, that's something that we've uh, noticed we needed it back when the semiconductor shortage started. Like, well, why yeah. aren't we making them here? Yeah. <laughs> like, why I, is everybody going through Taiwan? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's cheaper, Kyle. This is like their low-key way of backing Taiwan is to cut off their semiconductors. Yeah. <laughs> We're your friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to destroy your economy for our own good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what we do. So, so uh, you know... Idaho getting a new semiconductor factory. Uh, I found another story. They are also getting America's first and only cobalt mine in decades. Huh, I didn't realize there was a lot of cobalt in America. Apparently, there is some in Idaho, not far <laughs> from the Salmon River. Oh, the Salmon River, of course. Yeah. 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know where that is. As we all know. We're all <laughs> familiar you. with the Salmon River in Idaho, right? The the old mine, there was an old cobalt mine up there, shuttered in 1982. It was the only cobalt mine in the U.S. in its time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're reopening it. Well, they're, they're, they're going to be mining next door. I guess there's still a big open pit from where the original mine was. What's the, what's the use for cobalt? Just out of curiosity. I remember, I remember cobalt particulates being like radioactive from like the parts that were, cause there's amount, like some amount of it used in the, the like valves and nuclear uh, submarines. Uh, we're, we're currently using it as a component of lithium ion batteries. Okay. So this is for electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, they, it's a hundred million dollar. So, so most of the cobalt mine in the world today comes from, uh, democratic Republic of Congo. There are widespread child labor and human rights issues. And most of the cobalt is going to China. So, mm-hmm. uh, as we know, China, China is making buddies with Africa for a while now. Yeah. So we got a hundred million dollar enterprise up in Idaho, uh, publicly traded Gervois. J-E-R-V-O-I-S. I probably should have looked up the stock ticker for that, huh? Gervois Global uh, looks like... It's an OTC. Or you can... It's on the Toronto Stock Exchange, JVR. Even at full production, it will be a blip on the global market. It's only going to meet about 10% of, of U.S. demand. It's a start. Yeah, it's a start. And we do anything we... Obviously, the... the <laughs> The thrust of my news is anti-China. Anything we can do to wrest control away from China is good Good at this point. We definitely don't want to be dependent on other people for things that we really need. Yes, yes, yes. Or at least have more than one source. Yeah, yeah. It's like if <laughs> the only grocery store is the Walmart, and then the Walmart closes, and you're like, fuck, I can't get groceries. Or somebody decides that Walmart... Uh, oh, oh, never mind. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Well, you know who doesn't lose trains, whole trains of thought. Who's that? The awesome team from Orderflow Labs. 
Oh, Leo and Flurry, <laughs> Job, yeah. Cap, Corey. Oh yeah, all the boys. Uh, they they shared their toolkit with us for for trading futures on CR charts, Motive Wave, and Ninja Trader, and we can tell you firsthand they have brilliant, amazing custom studies for structured execution mm-hmm. uh, from from their buy sell zones to exhaustion absorption detectors and reconstructed tape. Uh, they it's like having a really really experienced trader leaning over your shoulder, drawn on your charts in real time. Yeah, uh, just amazing stuff. They are always producing new content and how-to videos and and reaching out through their Discord, they're communicating with users, how how it all works together. And I've really just, I'm always astounded at their willingness to, to engage with people and share their knowledge. Mm-hmm. When you find a group out there that actually cares about the people they're trying to help, like you gotta, you gotta support them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you are trading futures, uh, make sure to check them out at orderflowlabs.com. And speaking of other people who care and do their best to help you succeed, uh, Two Bulls is also proud to be affiliated with Trade Pro Academy. Trade Pro? <laughs> Whenever I leave the gap, you never do it. <laughs> uh, Trade Pro Academy is an educational platform that offers institutional trader development programs to new and experienced independent traders. Which, if you translate that into you know normal person speak, you can learn to trade like a big institution. Yes, got a great staff of highly knowledgeable and successful traders, and there's no better place that we found to learn everything you need to know to be successful. And find them online at tradeproacademy.com, where you can use that affiliate link in the episode description, as it's a great way to support the show and improve your own knowledge and skills. If you do join that Discord, we also have that 10% discount code. If you have trouble finding or need help, just message me. I'll help you out with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Kyle, shall we uh, should we talk about some stocks now? Sure. Stock time. Now it's talk about stock time. Looking for setups and still not advice. Big news, fresh news, and earnings. All that we're saying is still not advice. Stock time. Please don't sue us. All right. Uh, we kind of alluded to the, the chip makers um, story that I got here. Should we start with that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's hear it. So this story is just talking about how much these companies' valuations have fallen uh, since basically uh, the start of the 22. Like AMD down 60% almost. Uh, NVIDIA. NVIDIA was in the top 10 of most valuable companies in the world, and now it ranks 21st. Its market capitalization is down $431 billion. Ooh. Uh, let's see. Intel seen that its market value melt from 101 billion in January to 100. Oh, from 105.6 the last time. So they're down 49%. Micron, uh, they stock has fallen by 43%. And Qualcomm is down 33%. And they're talking about a lot, uh, uh, the revenue expectations that AMD just uh, uh, forecasted. And even though they were 29% uh, higher than what's uh, expected for, or compared to the third quarter of 2021, they had originally anticipated a 55% surge in revenue, and now they've had to slash that. So their forecast was $6.7 billion, plus or minus $200 million. Now they're expecting $5.6. Yikes. Yeah. So the, pre- the preliminary results... This is the 
uh, AMD's uh, statement. Preliminary results reflect lower than expected client segment revenue resulting from reduced processor shipments due to weaker than expected PC market and significant inventory correction across the PC supply chain. So basically it's saying that demand for PCs has been slowing, which is therefore affecting microprocessor manufacturers. Also suggests that PC manufacturers are finding themselves with large inventories. AMD is also making a little less money on their products as their margins have been squeezed. Mm. Uh, the margin uh, before interest, tax, expenses, and other incomes is expected to be about 50%, but the group had been hoping for 54%. And then after all of that, you top in the politics of everything that, uh, like you were just mentioning about the trying to stop China from getting their hands on semiconductors. Like All these things are making semiconductors look really, really weak right now. No mention in here, though, of crypto's uh, valuations. Uh, affecting things. Uh, I think that's something that we were speculating on uh, how long ago? Yeah. We've been talking about that for months. Like as yeah, as the value of crypto drops, like the rewards for mining it are dropping, then you got the Ethereum switching to the proof of stake instead of proof of work, and now they don't need mining rigs anymore, so there's a big glut of, I think, people just selling off the used equipment from those. Oh, wow, wow. And plus, I mean, like, how long does the, how long does the computer last? Um, I mean, the physical components, I mean, they wear out, but I've got a, I got a 2012 MacBook Pro I'm still using. Yeah, I've got a laptop for bought in like 17 i think i bought this computer that i'm using uh just before the pandemic yeah like i have no need to buy anything new probably for another two or three years at this point well i found that when i stopped computer gaming heavily that my needs for a new newer better bigger machine kind of mm-hmm. dwindled but and i think what we saw was a massive spike when the covid shutdowns happened as people were stuck at home still collecting money with nothing to do or trying to work from home and needing you know equipment to do that Mm -hmm. once all those needs got filled then uh you know the the demand wasn't going to be sustainable yeah i i think the biggest one is is they're no they're not mining anymore i think that has a big effect yes yeah and I think I think there is some of that uh, just waning demand just because everybody's bought a computer in the last two years that wanted one. Mm-hmm. Probably won't need another one for probably at least another two. I got I got a uh, I got a, a ethics and moral question oh. about buying computer stuff. Okay, what do you got? If you could save, say, half the price of your new phone, but you had to get it from a factory where a child children made it. Would would that be a good trade off for you? Like say fifty percent, but ten year olds made the phone. How are they being treated? <laughs> <laughs> All are the they, Twinkies are, they are can they, eat. Are they there because they want to be? <laughs> are they there because they have to be? Like if we uh, if I if I don't support it, does that mean that they're not going to be able to eat? Oh oh wow wow okay uh, I could turn that around on you huh? You're taking candy from a baby. You're, you're saying child labor isn't inherently no. wrong. No, I think that uh, it's very short-sighted. If, if they have the threat of death, then it's okay. And you got to do what you got to do to survive, man. Like, if they're not going to be them. able to eat food unless they work in this factory, then we better put them to work. Apple back in the spotlight uh, because they keep on keeping on with uh, companies that use child labor. The the, the headline on in- Business Insiders: Apple knew a supplier was using child labor. Uh, it took three years to to cut ties with them. Mm-hmm. Ten former members of Apple's supply responsibility team said the company has refused or been slow to stop doing business with suppliers that repeatedly violate its labor policies. 
uh, if doing so would hurt its profits. So dead, but it's not surprising. It's not surprising. And I'm a consumer that has an iPhone. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about this, like, what's like, I already have the phone. Yeah. So I feel like if I get rid of it, what, what am I doing? Am I, am I hurting Apple? You're just spiting your nose to, or cutting off your nose to spite your face at that point, right? Right. And, and. But when it comes to buy a new one now, now what are you considering? Now what am I considering? I'm like, do, is it, is it now on me to research if, make sure none of Samsung's pieces or are from the similar companies uh if it's a if it's important to you then yeah i'd say it is well yeah that's 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 the question i'm posing like like yeah it it, it i do feel like ugh, kids shouldn't be working in factories and yes. especially especially because because i've had this discussion with somebody about nike shoes before and then when they're there they were literally arguing like those kids gotta eat Oh, no, right. that, I was being facetious. I know you were. <laughs> okay, I actually had that argument used on me before, and it was like that makes it doubly worse. It really does. <laughs> that's that's not a reason to buy Nike shoes. Yeah, <laughs> got to employ those children. Well, it's, and that's just it. Is it's like I feel overwhelmed with like I can't save the world with my personal economic decisions. That's true. Also, like, do I have the information? Like I said, like, I don't know Samsung's supply chain. If I buy a Samsung phone, am I really doing anything differently than buying the iPhone? I mean, where is Samsung based out of? South Korea? South Korea. Other parts made in South Korea? Oh, I would be shocked if all of their parts were made in South Korea. Yeah. Uh, if there's stuff coming from China, then yeah, more than likely you're probably getting the same thing. I what well, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like how how much time is in how much of this information would actually be available to me as a consumer? Ah. Like if if that's if that's my driving value of like I don't want to deal business do business with a company that has child labor. Like how how do I actually know? You know how we know? We call upon our lead investigative reporter. Ah. Oh my, Kyle! <laughs> we have resources now. Genius, yeah. Yellow Man. We need to know Samsung phones, child labor. Is it a thing? Yes. Uh, and I do expect him to to travel to China and do some <laughs> put on the ground local research. We'll pay the bike costs. <laughs> <laughs> well, is is paying for bike fuels like we'll buy we'll buy you chips and Monster Energy drinks? Butter, it's the most <laughs> the calorie effective <laughs> vessel. Eat sticks of butter and drink energy and, drinks. Yeah, and cycle your way to China. <laughs> Not paying for airfare. <laughs> Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, it sounds like a great task for you, yes. Lead investigative reporter, Real Man, if you're listening, uh, we'd love to hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we're go going a little long. I know I got one more story. Do you have more for stock news? I have one more that I got to talk about, and it's, uh, remember how we were talking about seeing Rivian in the wild? I think we were getting some messages from people in our Discord talking about how they're starting to see him out in town. I'd actually seen one out in town recently yeah i i saw i saw one when i was in la for the porcupine tree concert uh was it able to steer when you saw it oh it was parked oh okay. so i i don't know okay the one i saw was on the road and it looked like it was handling a turn fairly well so but apparently they have a major problem that's causing them to recall base uh, pretty much all of the vehicles they've made all of them yes 
every every single oh god yes there's a fastener <laughs> critical to the steering mechanism that is failing and uh you know making sure that steering works is kind of important oh a universal recall not a good look not a good look for me. <laughs> sounds like wall street journal uh, uh covered this uh rivian ne- recalled nearly all of its vehicles uh in quotes there 13,000 involved were made from 21 to 22. Uh, the note to customers at Rivian sent, it's important not to minimize the potential risks involved and why we are volunteering to conduct this recall. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, this is, the, the company's already been having troubles. Uh, they're trying to make 25,000 vehicles this year, miss their targets before this recall debacle, uh, as they put it on here, or even catastrophe is another word they've used. Yeah. Uh, means that even if the company does make them, buyers are going to be uh, probably less likely to buy them. I I mean, there's a lot of competition now. Rivian is still sitting at a thirty billion dollar market cap. Ford is at forty nine billion. Ford, Ford's actually making car vehicles. People, <laughs> oh, aren't that aren't getting recalled? Yes, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think we've got a candidate for our uh, our stock pick for this week. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's that's really bad news. Sorry, Rivian. Uh, I'm feeling a bit bearish when it comes to Rivian. All right, what was your last one? Oh, um, you know how much I love Meta in the metaverse. I do. It's the new thing, isn't it? It's, it's the new thing. I, you know, I wake up in the morning, I put on my VR headset, and I go hang out in Horizon Worlds, the metaverse app. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> I do have an Oculus. Uh, you you turned me on to it. The gaming is so fun. Uh, yeah. So fun. VR games these days are great. And I have to say, when I turn it on now, it tries to force me to create a Horizon Worlds account. Oh, really? I haven't turned mine on in like a while now. Yeah, it uh, it did a it did an OS update, and now like the first thing that happens is it's like you're signing in for the first time. It's like set up your Horizon Worlds account, and I have been able to successfully back out of it and close it down, and then go 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 on with my my business as intended. But I'm worried for the day when it won't let me do that, and it's like, no, you absolutely have to start using this Horizon Worlds app. And I came across a story <laughs> that makes me worry even harder because, according to a report by The Verge, uh, published on Kotaku, uh, even Facebook isn't e- using its own metaverse, begs employees <laughs> to spend time in it. <laughs> oh, this fucking article is rough, too. Yeah. So there have been some leaked memos. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, let's see, the the VP of Metaverse Vishal Shah, and uh, let me let me read some quotes from it. Um, they discuss how the flagship VR app for the Metaverse is riddled with bugs, quality issues, and paper cuts. That it's too hard for our community to experience the magic of Horizon. Quote: For many of us, we don't spend that much time in Horizon, and our dog fooding dashboards show this pretty clearly. Dog fooding is. Uh, uh, you, the staff using the product before it's released to the public. Why do they call it uh, dog food? I have no idea. That I does no not idea. sound like a... Uh, it doesn't sound great, does it? It doesn't sound like a very positive <laughs> message. Uh, why is that, Shaw continues? Why don't we love the product we've built so much that we use it all the time? The simple truth is, if we don't love it, how can we expect our users to love it? Yeah, good fucking point. 
That's an excellent point. Excellent point. I also like the quote in here, too, about uh, uh, gambling everything on a world where anyone, uh, sorry, despite gambling everything on it in a world where anyone under 30 doesn't know what Facebook is. (laughs) It seems the meta's attempts to make sense of it are going so badly the creators themselves don't bother using it. Yeah. Uh, so, So when you're sending out memos that say things like, everyone in this organization should make it their mission to fall in love with horizon worlds. It's not looking good for horizon worlds. No quote. You, you can't do that without using it. Get in there, organize times to do it with your colleagues or friends, both in both internal builds, but also the public build. So you can interact with our community. This is, this is one step from all employees must have a horizon worlds account and must be logging three hours a day. Oh, really? No, no, that's my words. I'm saying oh, it's okay. the one where we're like a step away from that. Basically, I want to be clear on this point. We are working on a product that has not found product market fit. If you're on Horizon, I need you to fully embrace ambiguity and change. Oh, okay. Hang on a second. If you're, why are you spending so much money on a product that you don't have a market for? Like that seems like that should have been figured out before you started developing this thing or sinking the amount of money you are. Like I understand R and D and like coming up with things that maybe don't necessarily know how they're going to fit in, but they are exciting and you like it. This is neither of those. You know what happened, right? Is Zuckerberg went and saw Ready Player One and was like, "Oh shit, I want to be the cool guy who made that universe." I think you actually are right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you hit the nail on right on the head with that. Yeah, I honestly think that's what happened. Or he read the book before the movie came out. All right, so I need to sign into this metaverse and check it out. And and that way I can comment on, on how bad it is or if it's actually kind of cool. Okay, all right, all right. Or, you know, we could have Yellow Man do it. You know. No, no, we've got, we got VR headsets. We should check it out. <laughs> all right, all right. We, we, we can do some work on our own show. All right, <laughs> uh, we, we uh, ready to move on and talk about some crypto? Yeah, I think we're starting to go a little long. I got some crypto in my wallet. Hanging out on my Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, I got some crypto in my wallet. Some Doji Sushi Polka Dot NFT. Decentralized, anonymized, fabulous cryptocurrency. I gotta say, our our crypto song is a lot more kind to crypto than the media is lately. (laughs) I was trying to find a good crypto story to talk about today, and everything I saw was all about scammers and hackers stealing money. Right? So, I, But I did manage to find an interesting story just kind of talking about the price history. And I'm not going to go too, too much into depth of it, but just looking at like how, how much or how many times like it's had those volatile swings where it'll like, you know, double, triple, quadruple, and then lose 90% of its value. And then just to springboard mm-hmm. back up again, uh, some of the things that it is weathered and still come out stronger from like the China uh, making all Bitcoin transactions illegal, uh, like still still managed to recover from that. Uh, like, ah, it still looks, it still looks strong, man. It still looks like it's going to be around. It's not going anywhere. And if you look at the annual returns year by year, I mean, uh, starting in 2010, obviously it's going to be the biggest one, but 30,000% return 2011, 1100, 
our 1400% return, 2012, 187, 13, 5800%, 14, you would have lost 61%, 15, up 35%, 2016, 24%, 124%, mm. then 1300%, and 17, minus 73 and 18, 94%, and 19, 302% in 2020, and still 60% in 2021. And what about 2022 so far? 2022 so far is probably going to be down about 60 but uh, if you look at the if you look at this, uh, about every four years it loses about sixty to seventy percent of its value. So I mean, you're kind of right on track with that. Yeah, I mean, in terms of value, so twenty twenty three buy some in twenty twenty three is what it sounds like, right? I, I if I had bought Bitcoin back when I first heard about it, I would be very rich. So I mean, I know, right? There's there, there is value in it. Yes. It's not all doom and gloom out there. That's all I wanted to say. It's it's not, and my crypto story backs that up. Oh, really? Morgan Stanley has come out and, and pointed out that the market for cryptocurrency exchange products has been doing nothing but growing, uh, which would be a sign that you know the institutions are still very interested. Is that the institutions, or is that people investing in institutional offerings showing that the retail is interested? Uh, well, Morgan Stanley said institutional interests. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I, I, I just have to go with the story. Uh, no, I don't fair enough. speculate, but it's a good, good point. Good point. It, it just, it could just mean that there's a market and they want to serve that market. Yes. They said, uh, there's more than 180 active crypto exchange traded funds, exchange traded products and trusts right now. And half of them have been launched since the Bitcoin bear market of this year. Really? Or, or was it yeah, since the Bitcoin bear market? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So despite the 70% pullback <laughs> from 84 billion to 24 billion, you know, the crypto it's, exchange products are just growing. Yeah. Still interest. It's, it's not going anywhere. I think the, I think we could say that now. Pretty safely, right? Pretty safely. There's they get we get about eight new exchange traded products launched per month on average uh, in the last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, really, really in, entrenched in the system. We, we're getting new regulations and rules for it. Like it's not going away. It's only it's only going to to grow from here. Uh, the only sad thing is the more of these funds that get involved in it, the less likely you are to get those you know, thousand percent returns. Yeah. But that also means you should get less of those 70, 90% drops too. <laughs> right. So I guess it's a bit of a trade off. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them, most of them still focus on Bitcoin, mm-hmm. but as it, as it grows, you know, and, and Ethereum comes into its own, we'll maybe, maybe see some other big players. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. It's not. It's Don't let the headlines scare you. That's right. That's right. Oh, well, yeah. Are you scared? Scared up to shoot first. Pew, pew. Oh, God. <laughs> Damn it. I was about to shoot you. <laughs> I know you were. Mm. Uh, if I'm going first, uh, Kyle, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't trade this week. No, you didn't? Uh, no, no. In fact, I have to take a moratorium on trading while I use those dollars to move. I'm going to be moving from Tucson to sunny Las Vegas. That should be exciting, though. It should be exciting. And I'll be trading again soon, rest assured. But for the time being, I need all my monies. It makes it also makes no sense to be trading, too, when you got that kind of upheaval going on in your life. <laughs> so I think that right. definitely belongs in the good. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, 
I, I had the, the mind metric stuff was, was really doing me right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that if I was trading this week, my good would have been following the mind metric stuff. Well, that, that was definitely mine. Oh, do tell. Um, well, I actually wrote two down because if not, why should we shoehorn ourselves with only one allowed? Should be celebrating our goods. Yeah. Uh, so the commitment to doing Rich's uh, worksheet was number one on there. And number two was not trading on Wednesday because I just had so much going on that got to bed late. I didn't do any of my morning routine. Uh, to me, that was a red flag. That means don't trade. Yeah. One of the things that I really like about Rich's sheet, though, is when you don't do something you're supposed to do, it's a big red box. <laughs> and for some reason, that big red box, when it's not nice and green, just uh, it makes it stand out that you're make you're about to make a bad decision if you don't. <laughs> If you don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's very useful. Very valuable stuff. Yeah. So, and yeah, the rest of my bad and ugly is going to be kind of revolving around that. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to share for the bad and the ugly? Just to, to reiterate last week, taking my set scores. And if I had been using, you know, not using those red boxes to let me know not to make a trade was really bad. Mm-hmm. That fight with the self, like knowing your emotional state and using that as a trigger to stop yourself from trading. It is one of the hardest things to do. It seems like to, to not trade when like that, because we have it in our heads that that's our job. And if we're not going to our job, then we're not, we're not doing what we need to do in order to be able to, you know, live. How can you progress? How can you, right. you know, you gotta, you gotta participate. Can't just sit it out. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, let's see. What was my bad? Uh, my bad is missing, missing trades again. Um, the spreadsheet uh, that Rich put together, like where you're mapping out your lucrative trades Mm-hmm. There's also a section in there for your missed lucrative trades and starting to see the the actual cost of those adding up, like how many points I would have made had I you know, not hesitated and actually hit the button like, like I was supposed to. Uh, there is something that I need to work on when it comes through to, to analyzing that information, though, and that's making sure that I'm writing down the ones that don't work also because uh, there is an inherent bias into only writing down the ones that would have been profitable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do have to be careful about not giving myself uh, too, you know, confidence in something that <laughs> a confidence in numbers that aren't, you know, complete or, or correct. But it is it is very helpful to have that kind of stare at you like, oh, yeah, look at that. If I would have taken all the trades that were presented to me at the opportunity I had when I was sitting down and watching, like this is this is how much better I would have done. Right. And then ugly. I mean, I had some ugly days, but I wasn't. It was. It wasn't really trading. Um, oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, I think. I think the. I'm trying. Was it? It might have been Monday. Um, before I I moved the money out. Um, there was a rainstorm, and I was about to enter a trade, and the power went out. Oh, I remember and, that. And I like. I got I got my computer back on and I had to then I had to like reinstall Thinkorswim. Mm-hmm. It was it was really weird. Like it wouldn't open and I had to completely de- delete it and reinstall it and like got got the everything back open and like I knew that I had missed my entry and I went ahead and logged it anyway because I was like that that was such a good setup being issue counted so counted as a win and then then I saw a not so good setup. Mm-hmm. And even though my set scores were so, I was so negative from the from, experience yeah. of missing the trade. Like I revenge traded and and did not do uh, it. I lost that trade. It was not a, a good entry. It's not 
not a good setup. It was not the setup that I missed, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I wanted it to be. And that was ugly because, you know, I knew better with my set scores. That's that's a tough one, too. I had a similar experience with that where I wasn't able to trust myself when I saw another setup. Uh, I think I was posted it in the, the Futures channel. I don't remember if this was Thursday, maybe, where I missed a trade opportunity. Um, and it was... It wasn't that I missed it because I hesitated. Like I was literally like I saw it set up. I went to go push the order, and as I was moving my mouse to to set my order for the breakout, it broke out and just ran. Mm. And it came back up and it retested that level, and it looked like the retest was setting up to be like another opportunity to jump on board. But I couldn't trust myself at that time. Uh, like I, I, I wasn't sure if I was seeing this as an opportunity because it was a good opportunity or am I seeing this as an opportunity because I missed my the opportunity I wanted. Right. So I just ended up sitting it out. I had to lose it. I had to log it as a missed lucrative trade, but I still feel like I made the right decision because I couldn't trust my decision-making process at that point. That's tough, man. Uh, I, I'm, o- I'm okay with that though. I'd rather make that decision than the other way around, which is what one of my, you know, the things that I had been struggling with since we started doing this. That's one of the things that I think leads to most of my losses is like, oh, I had this trade idea. It worked out. I missed it for some reason. How do I get that money back that I didn't get here? And that's what I feel like I'm chasing most of the time. But yeah, so lots of uglies and bads (laughs) this week. All right. Uh, so is that everything, Kyle? That's that all, all the ugly you wanted to get out? Uh, well, I, actually, I don't think we talked about the ugly I had. Um, moving stops has been something that I've been struggling with over the last uh, like month or so. Mm-hmm. Like that internal struggle to, to leave your brackets where they are and let them do their work. Uh, I was kind of taking a closer look at that this week, and I found that uh, I moved my stops uh, about three trades, I think, this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of the three, I was the right decision. But here's the kicker. The time that I was wrong to do it would have more than paid for those two that I was right. Like, I did not save enough money to justify doing it. Oh. And uh, I'm hoping that collecting data like that is going to be what, uh, you know, better informs me of my decision-making process. Yeah. So being able to actually see the opportunity cost that my my, uh, my decisions are, are causing... I think should help, hopefully, you know, help me make better decisions in the future. Absolutely. Because what what that data is telling you is, was was the real estate I picked in my entry, was it mm-hmm. worth my risk reward? Right. I like the, I like what I heard someone on Twitter say, like, uh, when it becomes less about like, like when you look at the markets for entries, like when, you're, when your thought process shifts towards like, oh, here's a good spot, I can manage risk as opposed to this looks like a great opportunity. Like that was like an important shift in his mind. I kind of like that idea. Like here's a spot where I know if it breaks below this, then I don't want it anymore. Like I can put my stop there and right, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah. Literally making your entries risk management decisions in themselves. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I might try to focus a little bit on that going forward. Lots of uglies and bads. Okay. Well, do you think that gives us uh, a lot of motivation to do good on the bet? I think it does. Because we did all right. We didn't do as well as we could have, but we did way (laughs) better than random. I need it, want to beat it, going to win it if I take it from you. 
fulfilling my positions Quit your bitching, random's gonna lose Got a chart full of levels and a stop That's not too tight It's bet, pick a time in the shop So pick them right well, you got any thoughts for a bet pick for this week? Little Birdie told me I should short Rivian. <laughs> that was me. Oh, you, you, that you were the Birdie. Uh, yes, <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, I, I think if, especially if it drops below thirty-one, I think it's got room to run back down and maybe retest those all-time lows. It does. It does. I actually want to uh, throw a different one into your brain uh see what you think of shorting upstart upstart you're gonna have to take a look at that chart real quick uh, <laughs> it's basing <laughs> i don't know no no that looks uh that looks horrendous <laughs> it is right at a support at what 20 2050 roughly but the more it bounces with uh, very shallow retraces off of it, yeah. the the more likely it seems that this is going to not hold. It's all-time low is $20.20. It closed at $20.88. Yeah. Uh, I can get on board this one. I feel like I, I need to be trying harder, so I came up with this one. I, I like it. Well, give me your parameters. Stop at 22 half. And I would say first take profit at ooh I don't know eighteen half and leave the leave the rest open. Yeah, you don't really have much to judge, right? Yeah, I guess you could take the balance area and then just look at like a full width of that. So from like twenty two to twenty, yeah, so about yeah, that puts it right about where you said. Um, do you want your stop though above the little peak of these rotations though? So maybe a little tighter. Like oh no, that's what you did with twenty three. Or did you say 22 I said, half? I said 22 half. You want it 20, you feel better at 23? Uh, I would put it like, tw- yeah, 2305 or just a hair over 23. All right, 2305. Uh, only because that's where it looks like it's been getting smacked back down each time it bounces. Yeah. All right, I like it. Uh, you want to hear what Random's got? I do. All right, Random has selected Dolby Labs, DLB. Oh, I remember Dolby. Me too. I used to own them for a while. Yeah, back when they were hitting all-time highs. Um, interestingly enough, Dolby has just broken into another balancing area. Um, from the wrong direction, though, for Random's perspective. <laughs> yes, yes. It's 71 to 60, roughly, area. It just came right down to the middle of it and kind of bounced there a bit. Yeah, that's 64, 25 areas is support, but I think it's getting... I think it's got a chance to hit 60. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Touche, random. Take that. Take that, random. I kind of feel like random's just giving up. (laughs) Yeah, random capitulated. (laughs) Uh, It's it's nice. It's nice when that finally happens. It's like vanquishing an opponent. I know, right? All right. So there you have it, folks. We're going to be shorting upstart, which is funny because I'm long upstart in a portfolio. But, you know... (laughs) Different time horizons. <laughs> betting, betting, betting against myself in the short term is is a sheer, is a it's a winning strategy for sure. <laughs> oh, and we've got random coming in hot with Dolby DLB. 
Stay tuned. Find out what happens. Share, like, rate, subscribe, all the cool kids stuff, you know, they're doing on the streets. Mm -hmm. Drugs and podcasts. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's the time to, to sign off and <laughs> do some drugs. Some <laughs> drugs and we just finished our podcast. <laughs> oh, we'll be coming back at you soon, folks. Until then, happy trades. Bye, everybody. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks in the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.